welcome to Wellness Your Way. I'm your host, Megan Lyons, and I've helped thousands of people find their own way to wellness. Wellness Your Way is an extension of that work, aimed to help you find your unique path to feeling your very best. Each week, we'll go through tactical strategies you can use to improve your health, happiness, and quality of life. So grab a mug of tea or lace up your walking shoes. We're about to dive in. Welcome back to another episode of Wellness Your Way, my healthy friends. I'm so glad you're here with me today because I have a little bit of everything for you. I will start by reviewing a study that shed some light into the order in which we eat our food during a meal. So what to eat first in order to uh, prioritize your health. Then I will review a brand new bar that is made from whole foods only, which is amazing for your on-the-go snacking. And then finally, we'll talk about the toxins that are found in common household products. And I know this can be an overwhelming area, so I'm going to break it down into seven products that you can consider swapping for healthier options. Let's dive in. It's time for health news you can use, and today I'm reviewing a small study, which you know isn't my favorite, but this one is super applicable to everyone listening, everyone who eats meals, so I want to share it with you today. This study is done by the Human Nutrition Research Center and Diabetes Research Group at Newcastle University in the UK, and it was studying... 18 adults who are wearing continuous glucose monitors. Now, this was done on people with existing diabetes, and the exact same study has not, to my knowledge, been replicated in those without diabetes. But I know from a personal experience and anecdotal experience on so many of my clients that this holds true in people without diabetes as well. So, What they did is they asked people to drink a shot, just a very small uh, portion of liquid, of protein. It had 15 grams of protein, and they drank this before each meal. And what happened is these people who drank the protein before the meal, they had two hours per day of improved glucose control, so two extra hours in the day that they were within a healthy limit of blood sugar. And overall, during the days that they drank the protein before meals, this resulted in lower blood sugar by 10.8 milligrams per deciliter, which is a lot. If you think about a fasting glucose level in a healthy non-diabetic adult, of something like 80, maybe call it 70 to 90 or 100, the um, the benefit of 10.8 on a scale of that, let's say baseline 80, that's a very significant benefit. Now, again, these people did have diabetes, so their baseline's going to be likely slightly higher, but still 10.8 milligrams per deciliter is not insignificant. Uh, if you do read the study, which I'll link in the show notes, they actually use millimoles per, per liter, uh, which is the blood sugar metric that they use in the UK. We use in the US 10.8 milligrams per deciliter. They report in the study 0.6 millimoles per liter, so I've just converted it for you. But anyway, if you don't care about the numbers, just know that 
their blood sugar was much better when they drank protein before. Now, do I think you need to walk around carrying shots of protein in order to get this benefit? Actually, no. I teach my clients that the order of the food we eat in a meal matters a lot. So we want to start by consuming protein, fat, or fiber. Very first thing, protein, fat, or fiber, protein, fat, or fiber. These are always the things that I've been writing about and talked about in previous episodes. These are the things that stabilize our blood sugar, protein, fat, and fiber. And so if there are richer sources of carbohydrates in your meals like grains or fruit, ideally, whole grains or fruit would be the healthiest sources of richer carbohydrates. But even if you're having refined carbohydrates, bread or pasta or whatever else, eating those towards the end of the meal is going to be very helpful for your blood sugar. So let's make this practical. Let's say you have steak, asparagus, and potatoes on your plate. If you eat the steak and asparagus first and save the potatoes till the end, or at least, you know, if you're a, a mixer, you want to have a couple bites of potatoes in here, but save the majority of your potatoes till the end, that's going to be beneficial for your blood sugar. Regardless of what, are, what you're eating, starting with something like a side salad with olive oil can be helpful, or if it's a carbier meal, like let's say lasagna or fried rice or something where it's all mixed in and the whole meal is carbier, try to have a green vegetable first. Like maybe you snack on some celery and, and hummus first, or you snag a deli turkey roll-up or something like that before the meal, the order really does matter. So focus on having protein, fat, or fiber first in your meal when you can, and don't do this to the exclusion of joy, right? So it doesn't have to be done every single meal, but if it's convenient and, and not going to interfere with your joy, absolutely, this is a great tip for you. I will link to this study in the show notes and also the post that I made at this point, probably two years ago about uh, blood sugar stability and my experience with a continuous glucose monitor. It's time for Megan Recommends and I almost always recommend whole foods over packaged foods when it comes to health, but sometimes I'm just like you. Life gets in the way and we got to eat something on the go. And I've always thought of it, honestly, as a trade-off. There are bars that I like and I consume regularly, no-cow bars and Garden of Life organic fit bars and several other options that I consume regularly. But I, I did think of it as a trade-off of like, oh, this is not really a whole food. I'm I'm in some way making a little sacrifice, which is okay. We don't have to be perfect all the time, but I'm making a little sacrifice for my health in favor of convenience. And I always kind of wish there was a combination of both whole foods that happen to be in a bar form. And finally, when I was at one of my recent conferences, the Metabolic Health Summit, I was introduced to the Keho bar, K-E-H-O bar. This bar is amazing for blood sugar stability. Yes, I have tested it with my continuous glucose monitor. It got a 10 out of 10 on levels. Um, and it is technically branded as a keto-friendly bar. You know, I uh, don't follow a ketogenic diet myself, and I don't think we most people need to ascribe to a strictly ketogenic diet. But what this means for our purposes is that this bar is heavier in fat, healthy fat and fiber. It has very few non-fiber carbs and actually very little protein as well. So if you're looking for a protein source, 
this is not it. Remember what we just talked about in the last segment, protein, fat, or fiber, these keep your blood sugar stable. So in this case, we're choosing uh, healthy fat and fiber. But if you're uh, if you have protein goals, you're trying to read a, reach a certain amount of protein per day, which I do as well, um, this is not going to contribute much to your protein goals. So you'll just need to get protein from another source during the day. But if you're looking for a healthy snack that will fill you up and keep your blood sugar stable, or even you're in a pinch and you're looking for a meal replacement on the go, this is not a complete meal, but you know sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. So this is a great bar for those circumstances when you just want to grab something on the go. They are savory bars, which you know me. I always crave sweet. I talk about chocolate all the time, but often the sweet taste of really sweet bars leads me to want more. I'm like, okay, that no cow was no cow bar was good. Where's the next one? And I could probably plow through six if I really wanted to. But this um, savory bar actually works really well for me. It's it's good. It's tasty. I like it. But then I'm not craving five more bars after that. The pizza flavor is my favorite flavor of the Kiho bar. It's delicious. It's filled with whole foods like olives and sun-dried tomatoes, mushrooms, pecans, olive oil, lots of other healthy foods, no chemical preservatives, things like that. Um, So if you're looking for a bar like this, that's a great savory whole foods-based blood sugar stabilizing on-the-go option, I will link the Kiho bar and my particular favorite flavor in the show notes. It's time for the veggies of the matter, and today we're talking about toxins. Now, it's been about 20 years, which sounds crazy to me, but it has, 20 years since I've been focusing on the quality of food that I eat and optimizing it for how it makes me feel and using it to manage my health and working to minimize toxins in the food that I take in through my mouth. This stuff is all very important, but the concept of minimizing toxins from other sources like household cleaning products and all of this, it was just so big for me prior to a few years ago that I just didn't feel like I had the mental capacity to handle it. It was like one of those things that ends up on the, I should really do this later list, but never ends up on my actual to-do list. And I realized that's because I was making it too big. I thought in my brain, okay, one day I'm just going to have to switch over everything in my house, thousands of different things, and I'm going to have to go toxin-free. And while that might work for some people, honestly, I kind of doubt it because it would be so expensive and so overwhelming and so stressful that it's probably not worth it in the long run. So what I have done over the past several years is gradually shifted a lot of the things in my house, many things that we're going to talk about today, and shifting them more towards non-toxic options so that it never felt overwhelming. It was like, ooh, I ran out of a bottle of um, antibacterial counter cleaner. Cool. Let me try to find another one. I ran out of uh, mascara. Cool. Let me try another one. And these things happened, like I said, gradually over the period of several years, uh, not just at once. But it really does matter because there are thousands of toxins lurking throughout our homes. 
And the things that we breathe in and absorb through our skin, they really do impact our health. It's really easy to think like, I don't eat my laundry detergent. It doesn't go in my body, so I'm fine. But you do breathe the fumes from it. And and if you think about it, your clothes are sitting on your skin constantly and you're breathing in those fragrances. You're absorbing the residue of the chemicals through your skin. So this stuff over dozens and hundreds and thousands and millions of exposures, it does impact our health. And and I really want you to think about this in the big picture. Like one exposure to any of these chemicals that I'll talk about today will not kill you, will not harm you in any way, likely. But the problem is that in today's society, we're confronted by just so many of these chemicals, and it's a constant bombardment on our liver, which bears the brunt of the detoxification work and our, on our health system overall. So um, it really is about total accumulation of all of these things and gradual changes do matter. Now let's talk about why these toxins are in our, um, uh, I want to say food supply, but no, we're not talking about food, are allowed on the market today. It is complicated, to be honest. We have two main government agencies, the FDA and the EPA, which help out with regulation, but there are a few problems with this. Number one, in the U.S., chemicals are considered safe until proven otherwise, versus most developed countries, the chemical has to be proven safe to be allowed on the market. So in my opinion, we're doing this in the wrong order. Like once a chemical can go out there in our products with no problem, and then once it is proven to be a problem, it's taken off. I wish we did it the reverse way. We had to prove something was effective after repeated exposures in order for it to be allowed. But that's just the way the system's set up. It's in reverse order. Second issue is that the chemicals, even when they are tested, they're tested in isolation. So they might do a mouse study where a mouse gets a high dose of one chemical for every day for a month, which might equate in human years to, you know, a couple of years or something like that. But that's just one chemical. And like I said, there are thousands in our house. So we are bearing the brunt of the accumulation of these toxins, not just one chemical, which might pass a lab test. Um, And so I I think the testing's a little off. And then finally, the government agencies that I mentioned, the FDA and EPA, they're counting on product manufacturers themselves to be self-policing. These agencies cannot test every single product on the market and they don't have the capacity to do that. So they're really placing the burden on manufacturers of these products whose first priority, honestly, is not always our toxic burden. So this causes us to have to bear the brunt of the work of filtering out those less healthy products and eventually making changes. I'm going to read you a quote from the Environmental Working Group, which is pretty blunt. It's a little stronger than I would say, but I'm going to read it just to um, paint, finish painting the picture here. The, the EWG says, U.S. law allows manufacturers of cleaning products to use almost any ingredient they wish, including known carcinogens and substances that can harm fetal and inf- infant development. And the government doesn't review the safety of products before they're sold. So what they're talking about, carcinogens, meaning they're linked to cancer development, 
endocrine disruptors, meaning they can disrupt our hormone balance, gut irritants, even neurological irritants, all of these things um, have been proven in studies when people or animals, depending on the study, were exposed to high doses of these, but in small doses, they're allowed in our products. So it's a big mess out there. Let's Let's talk about how to actually find these toxins at home. I'm going to go through a couple of guidelines that I use as I'm working to clean up the products, and then I'm going to talk about seven potential sources of toxins in your home that you could start by checking out. So I cannot, and I venture to guess you cannot, memorize every single chemical out there. There are literally thousands, and my brain just, I haven't made capacity of my brain to memorize all of those chemicals that are in household products. So in the absence of that, I try to follow four guidelines when I'm checking out the ingredients in my products. The first one is the shorter the ingredient list, the better. It's just like food. I say this all the time. If there are ingredients I don't recognize, I'm going to prefer a food product or a cleaning product or whatever that has fewer ingredients and more that I do recognize. The second guideline I use is try to avoid fragrance. There's a big loophole in the FDA's law on fragrance that basically says if you call something fragrance, it's your proprietary blend and you can put whatever you want in there. So a lot of companies use this to include some harmful chemicals without being exposed to regulation. So if it just says fragrance and it doesn't tell you what's in there, um, or if it says parfum, P-A-R-F-U-M, which is kind of another word that they use for fragrance, I try to choose another option. Next thing, guideline number three, is trying to avoid parabens. So parabens are endocrine disruptors. This means they mess with our hormones. They've even been linked to cancer, insulin resistance, and more in excess. So any word that ends in paraben, like methylparaben or propylparaben, these are all parabens, and I'm going to try to choose another option. And then the last one, you've probably seen this word, it's super funky, it's phthalates. Phthalates, but here's how it's spelled, P-H-T-H-A-L-A-T-E-S. So phthalates have been linked to allergies, asthma, infertility, hormone imbalance, abnormal reproductive development. There's a lot here, and it can be really tough to identify phthalates because there are so many, but many products these days are labeled phthalate-free, which is great. So if I see that, I'm really happy. So the four guidelines I use are the shorter ingredient list, the better, try to avoid fragrance, try to avoid parabens, and then if it says phthalate-free, that's a bonus. This will not cover everything, but this is a great start and something that I have been using as I gradually shift over my products and a, a guideline set that you can use as well. So now we know how to check out labels, but like I've said, you can't just replace every single thing in your home right now. So let me give you a few places you might consider starting with. These are the most common sources of toxins in your home. The first one is cleaning products. If you've ever gotten like a headache or kind of just felt funny, maybe a little dizzy or out of it after cleaning, this could be it because you're constantly breathing the fumes of the cleaning products you use. Now, the Environmental Working Group, who I'll reference many times today, they do great work on testing 
all of these household products and the toxin levels in them. But they tested 21 commonly used household cleaners and found that in those 21 together, there were 450 chemicals emitted into the air, not just um, in the liquid of the cleaner itself, but emitted into the air, which is what we're going to breathe. So these do really add up. The EWG has a guide to healthy eating with great options and guidelines. Now I'm going to link, this is a good point to call out, I'm going to link a blog post right in the show notes. It'll say um, something like blog post on toxins at home or something like that. It'll be very obvious. And I'm going to link that there. That blog post contains so many links. So for each of these seven categories that I'll go over, I'll link to like the guide to clean or guide to healthy cleaning from the environmental working group. I'll link to a few other cleaners like Branch Basics and Tees Organics, which have good household cleaners that are non-toxic. So if you're going to take this journey or at least take a step in this journey, I highly recommend going to the show notes, just scroll down on the podcast player that you're listening to under the play button, under all that, keep scrolling down. You'll see those links. And that one for the blog post is very valuable for today. So number one, household cleaners. Number two, water. We are very lucky to live into, in not into, but in a country with access to clean drinking water. But what clean drinking water means is that it's free from harmful bacteria that would probably kill us if we drank it one time. So it's really, really good that we have these filtration systems um, working for us. That said, the standard filtration of most municipal water supplies is not ideal. I checked Dallas and I'll link in the blog post to the EWG's water ranking where you can just put in your zip code and get your water ranking. Dallas has 74 times the acceptable amount of arsenic. It has 14 contaminants at higher levels than the EWG recommends. So it's not ideal. I've also done several independent water tests where you take a sample of water from your faucet and mail it into an independent company. And I've found pretty much corroborates what the Dallas City reports say. Uh, but I don't want to be drinking 74 times the acceptable amount of arsenic, you know, a jillion times a day with all the water that I drink. So my top recommendation for a water filter is the Berkey, but anything that filters out heavy metals, pharmaceuticals, other contaminants without filtering out the minerals is ideal. Again, in that blog post that I'm going to keep mentioning, there will be another link to a write-up on the Berkey and why I like that one as well. Number three is nonstick pans. So the nonstick feature that was so popular in recent years actually contains something called perfluorinated chemicals. These can linger in our bodies and they've been linked to lots of things, liver, thyroid, immune system damage, et cetera. And so a really healthier option would be glass cookware, stainless steel, ceramic, which is my um, method of choice, or cast iron as well. And these are really expensive changes. So again, transition at a rate that makes sense for your family. I transitioned my pans over years. I love Green Life pans, which are linked in that blog post, and Always Pan from our place. Uh, but there are several, those are both uh, ceramic options, but there are several great options out there. So again, glass, stainless steel, ceramic, or cast iron, these are wonderful options. 
Number four is beauty and personal care products. And this one is tough. Harvard Health says that the average woman uses 12 beauty products per day. Honestly, this seems like a low number. I am super low maintenance, but if you think about shampoo and conditioner and soap and makeup and sunscreen and lotion and chapstick and whatever else we're using during the day, I know that I'm exposed to more than 12 products per day. And these things all have their own unique set of chemicals and they add up. So take it step by step. This is really one where I would, like I said, just see what ran ran out. And then before I bought a replacement, I would just use um, either the Skin Deep database, this is by the Environmental Working Group, or there's an app called Think Dirty, which I think I've mentioned on the podcast before. The Think Dirty app allows you to scan your products, scan the barcode on the products, and find healthier options if that is not the best option. Number five is plastic food containers. Now, the plastic from food containers like Ziploc bags and Tupperware, this can leach into our food, especially when it's heated, but even when it's not. And all the research shows that the average human has tons of microplastic particles in our body at all times. So to combat this, I've switched over most of my food storage containers to glass I will link in that blog post to the snapware that I like, and I also use stasher bags instead of Ziploc most times. So there are definitely times, like if I'm traveling, I'll put my supplements um, in the like travel pill case, but let's say I have an extra um, one supplement that I don't want in the pill case for whatever reason, I'm going to take it separately, I'll put that in a Ziploc bag. It's not the end of the world to use it once or twice, but I used to go through tons of those all the time. So the snapware and the stasher bags help. Next one, number six, is laundry detergent. Now, every single commercial detergent that I've seen contains artificial fragrances. And again, we're breathing this stuff in all day, every day, and and all night for that matter, in our sheets. So it is a great idea to switch over to a healthier detergent without some of these toxins. If you just look at the ingredients on your detergent, I bet you'll be amazed by the long list of chemical sounding things that are in there. Now, I'm going to be totally honest and call myself out here. This one, six, number six, the laundry detergent is the big sticking point in my household. And this is because several years ago, I switched over laundry detergent. And around that time, Kevin got a really itchy rash on his legs. And he attributed that to the detergent change. And I felt so bad. I believed him. So we went back to our classic Tide And we later realized that it was poison ivy that he got from doing work in the lawn, and that's why it was just on his legs. But honestly, the guilt has scarred me from switching again. So before I recorded this episode, I purchased Branch Basics, and I am committed to switching over again. Um, There will be no rashes, I'm confident. But I will also link in that same blog post that I'm referencing to the EWG's list of approved detergences. No, detergences, detergents. I think I was thinking fragrances. There we go, detergents. All right, last one, number seven, is air fresheners, candles, and perfumes. These can all contain phthalates, which we discussed before. 
And these can be harmful for many reasons. So we want to just minimize our exposure to these. So instead of traditional air fresheners, consider using essential oils or candles that are made with essential oils or keeping plants in your house. Did you know that plants, live plants, actually absorb odors? Even with my dogs around, I find that having plants in the house really, really helps my house smell neutral. It doesn't smell like, I don't know, lavender papaya berry or whatever the candle would smell like, but it smells great. It smells fine. It smells like a house. Um, And so switching over from some of these traditional artificial air fresheners can really help. All right. We've made it through the list of seven. I would love to know which of these surprises you most. And I would encourage you to think about which one you are going to commit to switching out. Well, hi there, friend. Do you feel pretty good, but not great? Are you trying so many things for your health, but you're just not sure which ones to focus on? Do you sometimes feel overwhelmed with your health and maybe even throw in the towel because nothing really feels like it's working? I've been there. And after getting to the other side for myself, I've helped thousands of people get there too. I promise you there is a better way than trying to research and try all of this on your own. There is a step-by-step system I've proven with over 8,000 hours of one-to-one coaching, and you can do this in a positive way. I call that way the Revitalized Health Accelerator. The podcast, the blog, and all the other information I put out there are the why and the what to do for your health. You can think of Revitalize as the how. I walk you through every single step of revolutionizing your life, and I'm here to support you and keep you accountable every step of the way. Every single woman who has been through the Revitalized Health Accelerator has raved about it. Women who have been struggling with their health, their body image, their energy levels, weight, bloating, sleep, digestion, emotional eating, so much more for decades, they finally feel amazing. Take it from them. Revitalize is the last health program you will ever need. If you're ready to feel empowered and energized about your health, head on over to www.thelionsshare.org revitalize to learn more about the program. And let's chat to see if you're a good match to be the next reveler. My friends, congratulations on making it through another episode. I gave you just a preview of your call to action at the end of the last segment, but here it is. Choose one of those seven areas. Maybe it's your detergent. Maybe it is your air freshener. Maybe it is your uh, sink cleaning spray, but just choose one and then search the Think Dirty app or the Environmental Working Group for non-toxic alternatives and switch out that one thing. Take it step by step. This does not need to be done overnight, but each time you switch out a product, give yourself a big pat on the back and a smile and know that you are doing something wonderful for your health. I hope you have an incredible week. I'll be back with you next week for a fascinating interview on eye health. Have a good one.
Thanks for listening to another episode of Wellness Your Way with Megan Lyons. I always love connecting with listeners, so be sure to follow me on social media. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss brand new episodes each week. If you love Wellness Your Way, please leave us a rating and review. I appreciate it so much. Stay well, and I'll be back next week. The Wellness Your Way podcast is provided for information only and should not be misconstrued as medical advice. Please consult with your physician or otherwise qualified practitioner on any matters regarding your health and well-being or on any opinions expressed within this podcast or the LionShare website.